How are you now? How are you after a few days off? What'd you do without the Montreal Canadiens playing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you actually have a life? Not me. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and we are here uh, to discuss your Montreal Canadiens taking on the Buffalo Sabres after their break. The Buffalo Sabres, I should add, who came into this game dead even with the Habs at 52 points on the year. So uh, Team Tank following this one very closely, wanting perhaps your Montreal Canadiens to drop this one because it would uh, push Buffalo up ahead of them by a couple of points. And uh, they've played the exact same amount of games. So, you know, if you're if you're looking at it from a tank perspective, this was one to lose. If you're looking at it from a development perspective, there could be uh, maybe some benefits to winning. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we're going to find out what happened through the course of this recap if you have not already watched the game. But first... Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team, and remember to use promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. The game starts here. And your Montreal Canadiens, well, uh, I wasn't too sure how they were going to start this game because we've seen them come off of breaks before this season looking like they did nothing but fucking bag skates every single day of their break. Two-a-days. Two-a-day bag skates. Uh, just looking listless. And we've also seen them a couple of times at least come out of breaks, uh, like the All-Star break, for instance, looking very good. So... Not too sure how they're going to start in this one. And honestly, the the biggest problem for me, Habs-wise, early on, was they just seemed to struggle hitting the net. The other problem was they, for whatever reason, replaced Yoel Armia on the line with Joshua Hua and uh, Alex Newhook with Josh Anderson, who has been a line killer this season. So I'm thinking this is probably... (laughs) Not going to be a game that I'm going to be happy that I sat down and watched on a Wednesday night. But alas, you know, we get into the game and honestly, the Habs, though they're missing the net a little bit, uh, they don't actually look too bad. Uh, Under five minutes in, Casey Middlestat takes a tripping penalty. Mike Matheson cancels it out with a boarding penalty. Um, And so they're kind of trading penalties a little bit, but there's not a whole lot going on offensively. A couple of chances on each side, but then about 13 minutes into the period, an amazing shift on the forecheck by Joshua Hua. He is just turning pucks over left, right, and center. He's going into the corner. He's just wreaking havoc on everything that the Sabres are trying to do on the breakout, which was a hallmark of his game in junior. And, of course, it pays off. He gets the puck in the corner. He's got two guys all over him. Somehow manages to will that puck with one hand out through the slot and up near the point and Arbor Jacki, the sheriff, is there and he obliterates that puck through everybody and into the net, including Uko Pekalukinen, who has the hardest to pronounce name, I think, in hockey. <laughs> uh, the goaltender for the Sabres, that is. It's one nothing for your Montreal Canadiens. What a shot by the sheriff and what a play by Joshua Hua. Pretty even period aside from that overall. You could argue the the Sabres had the better chances, I think, but essentially it was neck and neck uh, stats-wise. So not a bad period of hockey. Uh, Definitely not one of those times where they come out of a break looking like absolute shit. Um, They look pretty good. And uh, we go into the second period, and on the RDS broadcast they mentioned uh, and showed some stats, the Sabres, that's their best period. Uh, Bar none. The Sabres absolutely crush it in the second period this season. That's where you got to look out for them, and uh, it looks that way early on. I mean, they are 
they look like they want it more. Um, they are just kind of flying up and down the ice. They're, they're getting better chances than they were in the first. Um, you know, it's, I, I don't know what it is, but that team clearly can get it up for the second period. And, uh, and they did. And less than five minutes in, we get a point shot from uh, Henry Yoki Haru. And uh, Zemgis Giergensens gets a trip, uh, tip rather on the way and makes it 1-1 just like that. A few minutes later, though, offensive zone draw for the Montreal Canadiens. And Joshua Hawaii again wins a battle, gets to the puck, throws it up to the point to Jaden Struble. And Struble just finds a way to get that puck on net through a lot of traffic. I think it hit a Buffalo Sabre on the way. Uh, but who cares? They don't ask how. They ask how many. It's 2-1. to one. Joshua Hawaii now with his first multi-point game of his NHL career. Few minutes after that, though, Uri Slavkovsky gets called for a bit of a questionable hold. Uh, it was a hold, but you know, I think you could you could question that one. And uh, the Habs get a little bit over aggressive on the penalty kill. Yoel Armia is trying to take it up on ice, and he tries to dangle around a Sabres defenseman. You know, just coming into the offensive zone, puck gets taken away, goes the other way for a rush, and uh, we get one shot comes in. Uh, it's uh, sorry, it's Dylan Cousins with the shot. And Jeff Skinner gets to the rebound and puts it in and makes it 2-2. Two to two. The obligatory Jeff Skinner fucking goal against the Montreal Canadiens. 2-2 two to two is your score. And then shortly after that, Uri Slavkovsky takes another holding penalty. This one was not debatable. He kind of just jumped on Rasmus Dahlin's back and pulled him down a little bit. Seemed frustrated, honestly, in this game. Uh, but the Habs managed to kill that one. And then they get a chance of their own late in the frame. Okay? Habs on the power play. Cole Caulfield tries to sauce one back to the point to Mike Matheson. He bobbles it. It gets past him. Alex Tuck just skates right past him, laying on the ice, gets the puck, goes in, and beats Samuel Montambo on the glove side. 3-2 to two is now your score, and that was, in fact, your score at the end of 40 minutes. In the third period, the Habs wanted this one badly. Man, they were playing hard. Uh, Joshua Roy just absolutely all over the Sabres every shift that he got the top line was looking good looking dangerous they're getting some chances um the only time that the Sabres really looked like they were in that period was when the Habs got caught out on long shifts which happened a few time uh, times particularly for the defensemen but you know they just couldn't get anything you know to, to go actually into the net uh you got to give Uko Pekalukinen uh some some flowers for how well he pay, played in that third period um and then with a minute and 30 left on the clock, we get all the way down to the wire, down to the dying minutes. Tage Thompson takes a slashing penalty. Okay, golden chance for the Habs. They can pull their goalie. They already had uh, Semen Multambo out of the net when the penalty happened. So obviously they're going to pull him again and go for a six on four. But Puck gets knocked down into the Habs end and they call the most ridiculous hooking penalty on Uri Slavkovsky. His third penalty of the game. But you could argue very clearly that two of those penalties shouldn't have been called. I mean, Casey Middlestat is trying to battle for the puck in the corner in the Habs zone. Slavkovsky does put his stick, you know, across Middlestat's body, but this was 1,000% a dive by Middlestat. He saw that stick go in there, and he just folded it up and dropped to his knees. Help, I've fallen, and I can't get up. And the ref helps him. The ref gets fooled by it. I mean, you, you, you just can't have that, and that's with like 20-some-odd seconds on the clock. Um, Habs can't get anything going from there, and your score as a final is in fact three to two for the Buffalo Sabres. I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. I'm going to get to the officials because I do have another gripe with them as well though. But um, look, first thing we got to talk about is the tank, right? You, you look at the standings and I think team tank is probably, there, there was actually a lot of people I know who were firmly on team tank on Twitter that were actively cheering against the Habs in this game. And after the last game, when I was talking about tanking and stuff, somebody actually DM me, somebody who listens to the podcast, DM me, and, you know, Matt, 
you talk about tanking a lot. Like, are you on team tank or what? And my answer to that is, is complicated, right? It's, yeah. On one hand, I, I don't have it in me to actively cheer against the Montreal Canadiens. I think I've talked about this in the podcast before. I just don't have it in me. On the other hand, I see the value of getting a better draft pick. So you can call me, you know, a silent member of Team Tank. So realistically, not mad about the result in that one. As much as the call by the refs pisses me off. So it's like, it's a challenge for for me to come to grips with the end of that game. Because the result is one that I can get behind. The, The way that it happened pisses me off. Because, you know, officials, they just lack so much consistency and, and ability to apply the rules in a way that makes sense and to a standard that they can uphold throughout the course of the game. So the other example that I want to give you was, and that's why I brought up the boarding call on Mike Matheson, right? So Mike Matheson got called for a board. It was clearly a board. I, I mean, I guess you could say it was borderline, but I had no problem with that call. But then later in the game, the exact same hit, a fucking carbon copy was landed by, who was it? Um, I gotta check my own tweets for this. It was Casey Middlestat lands a carbon copy of that hit on Jake Evans in the corner, and they don't call it. it this is the uh, I tweeted them both. If you haven't seen it yet, go to my Twitter account at DrakeMT. There I go plugging my own Twitter, like I always do. Um, but you can see them both, like because I, I tweeted the Matheson hit, and then later I got the the Middlestat hit as well. They are identical, completely identical. You call one, you don't call the other. So tell me, what's the difference? What's what's the difference? You applied two different standards to two different teams in the same game. I, I mean, if there's one thing that they need to strive for in the NHL, it's not for refs to necessarily be perfect, but it's for them to be consistent and predictable, right? They're, they're not consistent or predictable whatsoever. And that's the problem. You got Gary Bettman running around saying that we got the best refs in professional sports. You absolutely don't. I, mean, I know that the NBA refs, they've been mobbed up. So I think they've got you beat for the worst because you've had a fucking mobbed up ref before that was 100% like confirmed to be taking money from the mob to you know shave points off games etc but and that has not happened yet in the NHL as far as we know there's no mobbed up refs not that we've heard of anyways it wouldn't surprise me though with the way some of these games are officiated it's just a complete lack of consistency but that's enough about the refs um they weren't the reason the Habs lost this one Obviously, getting scored on shorthanded uh, because of a bobbled puck at the offensive blue line was the reason that they that they lost that game, really. Um, otherwise, you know, with how well they played in the third period, they would have gotten to overtime. So uh, we'll move on from that and we'll move on to something a little bit more positive. Your silver lining of the night. And do I even need to say his name? Is anyone even going to be slightly surprised at, at who I'm picking for silver lining of the night? It's Le Sniper Beauceron. It's Joshua Roy. Um, that was a fantastic game and honestly completely shocked me that he was able to do that with Josh Anderson on his line. Like I said, Josh Anderson has been killing every line that he's put on this year. It's been the most effective way to ruin any momentum that a line gets going is to, to put him on there. And that didn't happen. And a big part of that was was why and, and the way that he played in that game. I mean, the, the forechecking was absolutely excellent. His positioning, coming back on defense, uh, there's... There's nothing that he didn't do in an absolute NHL player way. This is an NHL player. It's it's unfair that he's probably going to have to go back to Laval at some point, and I really hope he doesn't look at that like a demotion if and when it happens because I'm, I'm seeing a player that, you know, through, what, 11 games now that he's played in the NHL? Um, 
And now he's got, what, five points? So he's almost at a half a point per game in barely 10 games worth of action. And he's crushing it. He, he looks fantastic out there. These, a lot of these things that he's doing are things that I, I was yelling about when he was in junior. Like when he lurks up near the uh, offensive blue line, when the puck is starting to come out and the other team gets possession, he gets back a little bit quicker because he knows he doesn't have the foot speed of his line mates. Um, like especially when he's playing with uh, Newhook and uh, Josh Anderson. Those guys are fast. He knows he doesn't have their foot speed. So he gets up and he lurks a little bit. Uh, and he just kind of hangs out. And then when the opportunity arises itself uh, for him to go and maybe take a puck away from somebody coming out of the zone, he does that. When he goes into the corners, he's deceptively strong. You look at him, he doesn't look like that big of a guy. But he's six foot and he's around 200 pounds. And he is strong. He can beat two guys in a puck battle and did it multiple times against the Sabres and there are plays where they look like they're dead it looks like the puck is just going to die in the corner and it's going to be you know ah well there's not a whole lot going on now you might even be tempted to look away from your TV screen and then all of a sudden he comes out of there with the puck somehow and creates something out of it Late in the game, he almost actually tied it up in the third period. He comes into the offensive zone, steals a puck, drives into the net, gets a shot on goal, and uh, Pekka Lukanen had to make a really good save to keep that puck out of the net. This is an NHL player, and I've been screaming about this guy since he was in junior, that he has legitimate top six potential, and we're seeing it now. He can play in the top six. He's playing in the top six right now with a guy who isn't supposed to be at center, really, in Newhook, and a guy in Josh Anderson that the team would probably like to move away from as soon as humanly possible if they could. And look what he's doing. I I hate to say a toe to so, but you know what? A toe to so. A fucking a toe to so. I told you so. Um, I tried to, anyways. A lot of people just told me to shut up <laughs> talking about him because I wouldn't shut up about him uh, when he was in junior. And uh, there was a good reason for that. A lot of people who were watching him a lot uh, didn't shut up about him because this is the kind of thing that he's capable of. So get excited, Habs fans. This kid is here to stay. I would be shocked if he doesn't take a roster spot out of camp next year and hold on to it and we never see him back down in the AHL again. Um, he's he's that good and uh, and he brings an element that you that you need in a, in a team that's ready to compete. He it's it's there's not a lot of flash to his game. It's it's very hard work. It's very, you know, simple little things done well and uh, it's the kind of player that, you know, is going to endear himself to the Montreal Canadiens fan base the more he gets to play. Super proud to see that kid doing what he's doing right now. And I'll give you another silver lining too that's not Joshua Hawaii because I know anybody who watched that game could not have possibly missed the contributions that were coming from the sheriff on the blue line. Holy shit. He had a hit, okay, in the first period early on in the game. It was borderline interference. I forget who it was. He was going behind his own net and, you know, the puck had kind of gone past the guy and he... Yeah, he knocked him down anyways. It was eh, not quite a penalty. It's borderline. The refs could have called that one, but they didn't. And I tweeted out the hit and I said, yeah, he's setting the tone here, I feel. And boy, was he ever. He was hammering people all night long. Didn't have to fight anybody. Although I think Greenway wanted to get a piece of him on on a few different occasions. But um, he was hammering people all night long. Uh, I forget who it was. Somebody came uh, up to the blue line at one point, and he absolutely walloped this guy. It was, uh, who is it? I, I've got my Twitter open here. It was number 20, who's number 29, 28 on the Sabres? I don't know. Who cares? He absolutely destroyed the guy. If you haven't seen the highlight, again, go to my Twitter. Maybe you already have it open. He destroyed this guy right at the blue line. I love it. I love nothing more than when a defenseman has the stones to step up right at the defensive blue line and just hammer a guy. 
if you if you have the right timing and you get the inside shoulder outside shoulder lineup uh you you can do it well and you can stop a rush in its tracks and whatever he's trying to do whether he's trying to chip and chase or if he's trying to set something up you have just completely ended whatever whatever they've got going on and uh arbor jack guy was doing that all night long um I was down on him a little bit actually uh, last game because he stepped up too far and he went all the way up to like the red line to try and meet somebody and uh, it led to a goal against and look all of a sudden the very next game he's a lot more reserved with it and he's doing it at the blue line and he's waiting he's biding his time good gap control Um, really he looked he looked great defensively in that game. And usually the defensive side is is where he struggles a little bit. And we're, of course, seeing the offense as well. Um, he's shooting the puck. It, it feels like he's shooting the puck at least 30% harder than he ever has. Like when he gets an opportunity to lay into one, does he ever? I don't know. They, they didn't put it up on the screen. But I, if, if that shot that he scored on in this game wasn't at least 103, 104 miles per hour, I would be shocked. I'd be shocked. That was an absolute rocket. And... We're, we're, we're seeing it more from and he's picking his spots well too which is important because a slap shot is not the easiest to control so he's not just winding up and taking clappers just because he can just because he knows he can shoot hard he's winding up and taking clappers at opportune moments when he knows he's got a shot and he knows he needs that extra power to maybe beat the goaltender and Uko Pekalukunen in this game you know you, you needed to to have a little bit a little bit of precision on him and Jack I wasn't trying to force slappers he waited for the right moments and then he took them and you know it's uh it's it's nice to see him uh playing like this you know there's been some rough games for him talked about the last one having that step up to the red line that didn't really go well for him but he 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 looked very good in this game I really enjoyed what he was doing out there and it just so happens that in a game like that where the the Sabres are starting to step over the line a little bit um, I mentioned the the board by Middlestat on. <laughs> I mentioned the board by Middlestat on Jake Evans. Well, later that shift after the refs didn't call it, Middlestat went up ice on Arbor's side, and Jack I met him in the neutral zone and knocked him down, and then met him in the neutral zone again just after that and knocked him down again and looked like he was talking to him the whole time. So I think uh, he doled out a little bit of his own brand of justice. Did the sheriff? Uh, given that the refs didn't want to make a call on that one. So it was nice to see. And if you're asking yourself, anybody out there, you know, why is Arbor Jack Jack guy in the lineup? That is why the fuck he's in a lineup. Because he brings an element that, like it or not, it's part of the game. He's willing to throw the gloves down and go with anybody in the league. And he also just so happens to be able to dole out a little bit of, uh, you know, very legal, very clean punishment to players when they step over the line a bit, little bit. If you're a habitual line stepper, be careful if Arbor Jacki happens to be on the ice for the other team, because he doesn't really give a shit. Seven two, he's gonna hit you, and it's not gonna feel too good because he's a very very large boy. So, um, good game from Arbor Jacki, fantastic game. Aside from those two, you know, um, I, I don't really want to go into detail on anybody else. Nobody had a bad game. If you actually go look at the stats. For that game this is a game you play this play that exact game i always use this analogy right it's not really an analogy what am i talking about but i always use this like if you play that game 10 times the habs win nine of them they were the better team in that game uh when you take into account the whole 60 minutes now a lot of their dominance was really in the third period but the second half of the second period they were a much better team as well and 
you know, this is, again, a game that they probably win more often than not the way that they played. The top line was good. They were threatening a lot. Um, again, the second line, even though they put Josh Anderson on it, somehow, apparently that's the way that you elevate Josh Anderson is by putting him with Newhook and Josh Berwe. Apparently that's the answer. That's the answer to showcase him for a trade. Uh, the D all played very well. Very well. Almost the entire team was above 50% on possession in that game. There's nobody to complain about. Like... If you're on Team Tank, you probably love that game because they actually managed to look good and they didn't get two points that you don't want them to have. So realistically, it's about as good as, uh, of a tank game as you're going to get. They got production from, from, from young players. And look, it is what it is. So there's, there's nothing to complain about that one. Um, it, it went the way it went. And uh, honestly, it was, it was pretty enjoyable to watch as well. It wasn't, it wasn't hard on the eyes other than the, you know, the stupid calls by the refs. But they didn't ruin it at least. So uh, we'll always have that. I think I might leave it at that because I don't really have anything else to say about that game. Um, you know, we got another one tomorrow night as well. So, uh, I think, uh, we'll, we'll probably cut it off. We're at, uh, we're over 21 minutes. So, hey, c'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. Merci beaucoup, monsieur Joshua Roy. Je t'aime. Um, <laughs> we're on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. Uh, I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate that very much. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you, as always, for listening, and of course, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.